Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. Well, it may not sound like much, but that brief bit of audio from an airplane flying over Taiwan is fairly significant because it's the first time in 25 years that a major U.S. diplomat has visited the island nation. And of course, today's visit was by Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi. It was an act with as much buildup and fanfare and bluster and threats as you could possibly imagine because it represents a fairly significant moment in a history of an extremely complicated relationship between the United States, Taiwan, and China. So to understand why the speaker wearing a pink pantsuit and a white mask disembarking from an Air Force C-40C, which is kind of like a Boeing 737 call sign SPAR-19, is significant, or why so many people, over 300,000, were following the flight on an air tracking website that it actually crashed, you have to know a little bit of the background here. And if it all seems confusing to you, well, there's nothing as confusing as the name of the United States policy. It's called strategic ambiguity or sometimes deliberate ambiguity. And the idea is we can't actually say what the status of Taiwan is and what the relationship of the United States to Taiwan is because the things that we want to be true can't all be true at the same time. For example, we want to recognize that Taiwan is an independent, thriving Western-style democracy. So far, so good. Unfortunately, Taiwan is also claimed by China to be part of its country. And under the One China policy of the United States, we acknowledge that. So, yes, we believe that Taiwan is an independent democracy, and we believe that it's a part of China. Confused yet? No, it gets better. We believe that Taiwan has the right to defend itself, and in fact, recently, President Biden said that if China actually attacked Taiwan, its own land, remember, that we would defend Taiwan, which sent State Department officials scrambling to give an explanation of how that could be true because we've always been a bit cagey about exactly how we would defend Taiwan and to what degree. After all, if it's a part of China, what's the big deal about China putting its military into China? Well, the point is it's not really China. They claim it's China, but it's not. We want it to be an independent nation, but we don't support its independence and we don't acknowledge its independence. And we're not pushing for a change in this status quo. And even though they have a right to self-defense, and even though we have military assets operating in the region, significant ones, by the way, including the aircraft carrier USS Ronald Reagan and the amphibious assault ship USS Tripoli, we also can't really tell the Chinese that when they're going to run a half dozen military operations all around the island as a response to what they consider the giant provocation of Pelosi visiting, well, you begin to see that there's some challenges here. And if you really want to understand what's weird about this, when was the last time that you heard a large group of Republican senators come out adamantly in favor of something that Democrat Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi was going to do? And the answer is, I can't remember such a time. But that's exactly what happened here. As part of the joint statement, Leader McConnell said that for decades, members of the U.S. Congress, including previous speakers of the House, have traveled to Taiwan, and this travel is consistent with the United States' one-China policy to which we are committed. We are also committed now more than ever to all elements of the Taiwan Relations Act. And when you put all that together, what you get is... 
I don't know. It's a very awkward and uncomfortable situation, no more so for anybody than for the people of Taiwan, some of whom demonstrated in favor of the Speaker's visit, some of whom demonstrated against the Speaker's visit, including, and I think this is my weirdly favorite picture from the event, no, no, not the one of Pelosi with all of the dignitaries in front of her plane, but the one of the protesters holding up what I can only describe as caricatures of Pelosi saying things like, ugly American, go home. And let me just say that the pictures are not kind. In fact, they're the kind of thing that if you publish them in America about, say, somebody from Taiwan visiting, you'd probably lose your job for being a racist. Earlier in the day, there were reports the Chinese had flown fighter jets over the island, unconfirmed, and they deny it. As I mentioned, starting on Thursday going through Sunday, the Chinese People's Liberations Army Eastern Theater Command is going to conduct several regions, full six regions actually, of live fire and maritime drills around the nation, including long-range artillery into the Taiwan Strait and conventional missile test firing in the seas east of Taiwan. So yeah, they take this stuff pretty seriously. So what are we to take away from all of this in terms of the significance or even the purpose of this visit? Well, it's hard to say, because even though the world has been building this up as a huge event, Nancy Pelosi and even the State Department have been downplaying it as something relatively minor and just natural given the state of things. If you ask me my personal opinion, the significance is this. The entire world watched as Russia invaded Ukraine, and the world didn't do a whole lot to stop that, and the next domino people are worried about is exactly here, China and Taiwan. And with the aggressive land expansion through island building in the South China Sea and many of China's recent activities in the region, this is a way of saying, no, we're serious about keeping things exactly as they are in Taiwan. Whether that will turn out to be true, whether this will create other areas of tension between the United States and China, well, all of that remains to be seen. And now from the, well, it takes a village in order to have a village idiot file, or maybe that's uncharitable, but you decide after I tell you what's going on. I bring you the story of Patrick the Pony, a Shetland pony known for his love of Guinness, who was made the unofficial mayor of Cockington, an English village, at a ceremony that was attended by a local member of Parliament, Kevin Foster. The pony-slash-mayor regularly holds court from an interaction pen built in the Garden of the Drum Inn, obviously his favorite pub. Now, this pony has been warming people's hearts and making them laugh for quite some time now. He was actually brought in as a therapy pony for local hospitals and schools. He was acquainted with the Drum Inn during the coronavirus pandemic. His owner, Kirk Petrakis, took Patrick to the pub to raise morale while the world battled the deadly disease. He gained a fan base. He's got a big petition to see him become the village mayor. After the previous mayor, Don Mills, passed away in 2019, there's a Facebook page in his honor called The Adventures of Patrick the Pony. 7,000 likes, by the way. And he has fans all over the world. But, and here's where you might not be all that surprised, apparently somebody complained. And that somebody might be a member of the town council called the Torbay Council, which is currently controlled by an alliance of liberal Democrat groups and an independent group that's a rival or an antagonist to the conservative MP Kevin Foster. We don't know for sure that it's them, but somebody called to complain about the violation of the codes that was going on at the pub. Yeah, in order to have an animal there, you need planning permission for the pen and for animal grazing. And since they didn't want to go through the expense of applying for all of that, Patrick's enclosure had to be dismantled. So yes, a wonderful and beloved pro-town pony that was making everybody happy had to be taken down because some English version of a Karen complained. Probably an angry member of their town council. And finally, a record. 
The Colorado Parks and Wildlife Environment Agency says that a huge trout caught in May has now officially broken the longest standing fish record in the state. Tim Daniel, a resident of Colorado, caught a brook trout on May 23rd in Monarch Lake in Grand County. And after inspection, the bragging that he had been doing all around town to his friends was verified. 23 and a quarter inches in length, weighing 7.84 pounds and a girth of over 15 inches for a brook trout. And that indeed sets a new state record for a brook trout, a record that had been held for 75 years since a 7.63-pound brook trout was caught in Upper Cataract Lake in 1947. To put this in perspective, at 23-plus inches, a normal brook trout, 9 to 10 inches. So almost two and a half times the size of a normal trout in length, and obviously massively bigger in terms of overall size. And I will tell you from personal experience, having fished a number of the rivers in the Rocky Mountains outside of Denver, that's an enormous fish. In my wildest dreams, I never imagined of catching a trout that would be even greater than a foot, let alone almost two feet in length. As Daniel says, he's been fishing in northwest Colorado for many years. That day, he had no intention of breaking a record. But in typical Colorado understatement, he said, quote, I wasn't sure what I had hooked, but I knew it was big. Yeah, I'd say that pretty much describes it. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. And consider subscribing to our digital and print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already. Hit the five-star review before you go. I appreciate it. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to the Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek. Newsweek.